Greetings in Jesus' name. I'm Bishop Chester Wright, and this is the video teaching series, The Love of God for Us. This is lesson number 14, and I'm in the studio recording this, and if you watch lesson 13, I wasn't really sure if I could go on today with, uh, after that, I, my personal preference would be to just leave this studio and go upstairs to the sanctuary and just find some place to just spend time with Jesus and me. Nothing my soul would enjoy more than that. But he's not finished, and so therefore I am not finished, and so I am uh, going to uh, not move past that last lesson, uh, but to move from that last past, that last lesson, and the move of God that was in that lesson and is still in this room because I just finished that lesson a short while ago, and I've started the next lesson here, number fourteen. And so, uh, if I am. Uh, especially sober, it is because uh, of the great presence and the love of God that's he's just manifested here in this room by myself and with you looking through the end of this camera at you. Uh, just my, 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 uh, how wonderful, wonderful the presence of God was. And is. He hadn't gone anywhere. And I'm very thankful for that. So I'm going to try to continue. And I'll see if this really is the will of God for me to continue. Uh, so here we go. Um, this is going, again, I didn't put these lessons together myself logically. I followed the flow of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> I did not know what the last lesson was going to be like, and I didn't know this lesson was going to be here, and it's actually going to sound like uh, grinding the gear, shifting to another gear from that last lesson to this one, but the will of God be done, and I'm going to flow with that. Uh, there's a lot of things that we call love, and... Uh, in the Greek language, I think there's up to something like eight or more different words that could be translated by the one English word, love, <clears throat> because in English we have many words that can mean different things, completely different things, based on the context. I can say that I love uh, chocolate. I could say that I love a sunset or a sunrise. I could say that I love my children and grandchildren. I could say that I love my brothers and sisters in Christ and my natural family. I could say that I love my wife. And then I could say I love God. But we know as English speakers that I mean something completely different very, very different in every one of those statements. I use the word love, but it's not the same thing at all. And the Greek, being a very precise language, 
has numerous words that's used instead of one word. Now, there are a few, a uh, lot less Greek words that may have different nuances of meaning, but they don't, they're not used in that great a variety uh, of, uh, of uh, uh, bandwidth. Uh, I'll use a modern term uh, in, in the Greek. And uh, the three I want to focus on today are the three that we're most familiar with, even if we've never heard of them. Uh, those three words are eros, Filio or an agape. Uh, the word eros is uh, the most frequently used Greek word for love in secular Greek literature, even though it's not found any place in the Greek New Testament. Uh, agapeo, which is the verb to love, or agape, which is the noun love. And philia, which is the uh, noun love, or philio, which is the noun to love, or verb to love. These these are these are three different words. They're three completely different concepts. And I just want to talk about them here a little bit. Um, the uh, the eros is again not found in the Greek New Testament, even though it is the most used Greek word for love in classical Greek literature. It is the word from which we get the English word erotic. Uh, but it's it, 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 neither in the Greek or in uh, the English, with it being a root, root word for erotic, is it as narrowly defined as simply being sexual lust. Uh, it's not just lust uh, that we would call love. It's not. It, it really... It, the true meaning of this word is about more than sexual selfishness expressed by immoral behavior, especially. And in our vocabulary, something that's erotic, for the most part, we would use that word about something that's illicit uh, in uh, expression rather than you don't really call what goes on between a husband and wife erotic. It's neither erotic or sensual. It is God's designed expression of intimacy between two, two beings, a man and a woman, coming together in, uh, in, in intimacy where two become one. And uh, express the love that God has defined in that context. You wouldn't call that erotic. Uh, it might be stimulating, it might be pleasurable, thank God for all of that, but it is not, it's not erotic, it's not sensual. Uh, those words are used for stuff outside of God's boundaries of sexuality, and they're not used for that which is done inside of the boundaries of God's sexuality. And those who read or watch or, or, uh, study about how, uh, about, er something that's erotic or sensual that want to bring that uh, feeling into marriage is per perverting and polluting marriage because this relationship, the marriage relationship uh, can be and should be far more fulfilling than this because 
in the erotic type relationship as soon as things are completed, uh, the, all of that lifts and it's gone and you're done. But in marriage, when the act is completed to fulfillment, uh, there is, there is a long lasting and by God's design, now that doesn't mean we always do it exactly right, but by God's design, there's a long-lasting fullness there and a feeling of being bound together because we have come together physically so that we could be together one as a, 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 a an entity. But eros is really uh, communicates, the Greek word eros really communicates an attitude of self-love. Its motive is what is in it for me. And that's why uh, eroticism and sensuality is all about me. It's not about the person I'm involved with. And some people become great uh, lovers, I'm assuming, uh, to they only please their mate because of what they are not mate, but their partner uh, uh, in this activity. Uh, because of what they want that person to do for them in exchange. They're not willing to do any of that and get nothing in return. And so it is really a selfish, it's selfish love. Eros is selfish love. It's all about self. Even, even spiritual actions can be motivated by Eros. There are some people whose love for God is not agape and it's not filio. It is uh, eros. They're only a Christian because of what they can get out of it. It's not about God. It's about them. They're only in Christianity because of what they can get out of it. And the prosperity doctrine of give so you can become rich or you or do this so you can be healthy all the time and never be sick is not agape and it's not filio. It is eros. Even though the Bible doesn't use that Greek word to describe it, that is what it's about. That's what it's about. So, uh, when eros is demonstrated by those who live for God, they do that only so they can obtain what they can get out of Him. That's why when He lets in His plan, He permits bad things to happen to them, they feel so betrayed. I have done this for you and you're not going to do this for me in return. That's eros. That's eros. I only do for someone else, human or God, to obligate them to do for me. And there are people who go to church every Sunday and they, they praise and pray and listen to preaching and or preach. Uh, and their whole motive is what they can get out of it. What's in it for me? What can I get out of it? But then philio is found in both the classical Greek literature and in the Greek New Testament. Philio means, according to Strong's, to be a friend to, to be fond of an individual or an object, to have affection for, denoting a personal attachment as a matter of sentiment and feeling. So, filio is emotional by nature. And 
most people get married based on filio. Well, the problem with getting married by filio or the problem with being a Christian by filio is uh, emotions are very fickle. Emotions can be down one day and up the next. One day you feel everything keenly and the next thing you can't hardly feel a thing emotionally. That's emotions. Emotions in the most stable of people is unstable. Even if they hide their variation of emotion inside, by nature, by definition, emotions vary. But there is emotion there. There is personal attachment and feeling there. And uh, you can be a Christian uh, and appear to be a really dedicated Christian based on emotional attachment. But in marriage, that type of marriage would be the 50-50 marriage. It's I'm going to give you 50% of me, and you give you give me 50% of you back, and we it will not cost either one of us to be married, and we'll have all this good feeling to share. That's why things like uh, these uh, these dating services that you do these tests of, uh, uh, of likes and dislikes, appear to work for a while because they computer match you with people who have all the same interests as you do or as many as possible. Well, <laughs> they match me up. Well, immediately I've got a bond with this person and we have all this in common. And so, in that case, uh, you know, as long as outside circumstances don't cause a breach in that bond, man, you can stay married a long time, having shared uh, interests. But the problem with that is you also have shared strengths and shared weaknesses, and in that relationship, the strengths are really strong and the weaknesses are really acute. Right. And when a person is attempting to be a Christian and they, they love God, emotionally they love God. They've got some understanding or experience of what God has done for them and they, they, they are so overwhelmed with feeling over that. And so they, they, uh, they, they want to love God, but it's not consistent. It can't be consistent. It's not possible for it to be consistent. So the problem with filio is it will change. None of us filio someone without an expectation of them to filio us in return, including God. And if we feel that person's filio waning, then we feel betrayed. And if we feel 
what we think is God's filio waning, then we feel betrayed. Now, finally, uh, we get to the word agape. Again, that's the noun. Agapeo is the verb to love. It's a Greek word that's not found in classical Greek, Greek literature uh, in any way similar to the way it is used in the Greek New Testament. That's according to the scholars I've read. Uh, the information I have, that's, that's, it's not in classical Greek literature anywhere remotely close the way it's used in the Bible. In fact, some that I've written said it's not even found in classical Greek literature. Uh, the Lord defined this word his way by the Holy Ghost to express a concept that the analytical Greek mind could never conceive of. Why? Because agape is totally selfless love. Selfless. Agape love gives without reservation. Agape love gives without reservation, whether or not anything is ever given back to it at all. That's why there are some Christians who are able to stay married to sinners because they get so little from that sinner in the way of commonality, and yet they love them with agape enough to stay with them and to pray for them and love them and treat them good. In fact, that's the plan of God. That's the purpose of God. By this shall all men know that you're my disciple, by, uh, that, that you have love one for another. And so when a spouse loves their mate who is lost with agape, they are demonstrating the love of God every day. And that person, that spouse, it has no excuse in heaven. Even if that person with agape isn't perfect, they still have no excuse. Agape is much more about choice than it is about emotion. It's a resolve of the will to give, to give good, to give everything you can to be a, a blessing and a benefit to that person. Now, again, according to what's best for that person, not according to what they want. Agape doesn't give stuff to people that is destructive to them. Agape does, like a agape parent from agape from a parent to a child, does say no sometimes because that's what's best for the child. And our father says no to us sometimes because that's what's best for us. And his love demands that he say no, like he did with Paul in Second Corinthians twelve. When Paul wanted that thorn of the flesh gone and God said, no, my grace is enough. In every place that the English word love is found in Mark 12, 30 through 31, that we have taught on in an earlier lesson, the Greek word is agape. It's the word agape. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt agape the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. The second commandment is like, namely, this thou shalt agape your neighbor as yourself. And because of the grammatical rules of redundancy, both in English and in Greek, 
there's a word missing that we know is there. It's not necessary to put there, but it is just as there as if it was written. And it would say this, that we agape our neighbor as in the same manner that we agape ourselves. And since the agape is God, in 1 John 4, 19 says, we agape him because he first agape owed us. Okay? Uh, we receive God's love for us. We love him back with that love. And then... We love others. We let him agape others through us because we, receive, we we let him love us with agape to give us worth and value, which is what it means to love yourself. The biblical definition of loving yourself is receiving God's love for you because of the worth he sees in you. But if I do that, then I automatically, ha- that will, that will, Maybe ought to not automatically, but it will begin to work in me and cause me to see that everybody else is just as valuable to God as I am. He doesn't want any man to be lost. And when I begin to see other people with God's eyes, I'm going to begin to be willing to let him love them through me like he loved me. And if I don't, there's a problem. There's really a problem somewhere along the line. I stopped receiving agape and switched to filio. Now, uh, Vine's Expository Greek Dictionary explains agape this way. Love can be known only from the actions it prompts. God's love is seen in the gift of his son. 1 John 4, 9 and 10. Obviously, this is not the love of complacency. This is all vines. Obviously, this is not the love of complacency or affection. That is, it was not drawn out by any excellency of its object. Romans 8, 5 and 8. He, well, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Uh, the recommended love of God for us, or God commendeth his love for us. It was an exercise of the divine will in deliberate choice made without assignable cause, save that which lies in the nature of God himself. Deuteronomy 7, 7, 8. Now, uh, this is really, 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 really uh, easily demonstrated in in John chapter 21. Uh, The disciples are fishing, and Jesus comes on the shore and he says cast your nets and uh, they said we've toiled all night but at your word we'll cast them they did they caught a great draw to fish Peter then recognized at the distance that that was Christ he dove in the water and swam to the shore and said depart from me I am a wicked or a sinful man uh, Jesus had a meal ready for them when they all got there and they ate but they're in the presence of everybody Jesus looks to Peter, and in the King James it says, "Love Peter, lovest thou me? And Peter said, you know I love you. And then Peter, Jesus said again, Peter, you love me? And Peter said, Lord, you know I love you. And then finally Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. Now, that's wonderful, and it's awesome, and it's great, except that we don't get the full meaning that the Holy Ghost was trying to say 
by looking only at the English words there because the Greek words are different. So in the light of these definitions I just shared with you, Jesus asked Peter, do you agape me, Peter? Peter said, Lord, you know I filio you. Jesus asked him the second time, Peter, do you agape me? Peter said, Lord, you know I filio you. And finally, Jesus looked in Peter and said, do you really filio me? And Peter broke down and said, Father, you know all things. You know I filio you. He never did, could confess at that time that he agaped God. He couldn't do it. So the point I'm making here is this. Filio in God is not the same thing as agape in God. And the only love to God that's acceptable to God from a point of being able to save us is agape. And of course, 1 John chapter 4 verses 8 and 16 says that God is a love. God is love. And 1 John 4 19 says we agape God because for this reason, by this means, because he agapes us. Therefore, if we desire to love God through relationship with him in any manner that fulfills the greatest commandment, Hear, O Israel, Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, or the Greek is literally with the whole of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Uh, we first have to receive agape from God by allowing him to love us without attempting to earn it or deserve it. So a person comes to God, the Spirit of the Lord moves on them, draws them to him, the 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 message, the word of God is preached to them, bringing conviction. And the spirit of the Lord moves upon them and gives them faith. And they respond to that. And then they obey the word of God and repent. And they get baptized in obedience to the word of God. And then they receive as a gift. It's called a gift, not because it's optional. And technically, no gift is optional because you can't reject the gift without rejecting the giver. And those that say that a gift means it's optional, uh, they wouldn't feel like they have that if they were the giver of the gift. They'd take it personal if the person didn't receive it. Uh, so does Jesus. So they receive the gift, meaning they didn't earn or deserve it, the gift of the Spirit of the Lord, which sheds abroad in their hearts the love of God. By the Holy Ghost is given unto us. Okay? So I now have the love of God that will empower me to give back to God the obedience to the commands that please Him. The, the obedience to His will. Being a part of His plan and purpose. And the only way I can do that is by the love of God in me, which is agape. And I can't get agape any other, man, any other way than by receiving it. This is the whole basis upon which any relationship with God must be founded. Nothing else works. Nothing else is acceptable to him. 
And so if you're trying to, like Peter, come to him on your terms or serve him on your terms, you're doing it by filio. Servants filio their good master. But sons are given agape by their father. Filio people are trying to earn their way to heaven. But a son knows that they're loved by the father simply because they're the son. The father loves them just because they are his son. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray that you would receive the message of this lesson and that you would allow the Lord to move in your heart and in your mind and you might receive this and be brought into the place of maturity in God where you've received agape as the gift of the Holy Ghost and that you're allowing the love of God by the agency of the Spirit of God to empower you to love God in return. God bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.